1: here's
2: the next thing I want you to write. Being humble and submissive to God's plan always involves God's timing. You see, God's ways are not our ways. So when we're trying to figure something out, we need wisdom, we're trying to ask God for help. God's ways are different than ours. So he comes up with a plan that we like, is that gonna work? Of course it is. And God's timing is different than our timing.
0: We have had a hard time grasping that God is infinitely greater than we are in every way. He exists outside the timeline. That's how he can know what's going to happen before it does. Nevertheless, we try to put God in terms that we can intellectually deal with. These always are inadequate to the task, causing us to misunderstand him. Pastor Mark, in this teaching on pride and humility, reminds us that Pride causes us to believe that we can completely understand all of the ins and outs of our lives and thus can run our lives better than God can. Experience, though, shows us that we are wrong. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 5 with part 2 of his message, God cares about you so humbly trust Him with all cares.
1: pride
2: magnifies self. It's like a selfie all the time. I'm always thinking about me. And it minimizes God. Pride says, I can do my life by myself. I'll do it my way. Pride is basically the absence of humility. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. So we go right back to that. Can I do life by myself? Or was I designed by God to do life with him? That's the core. That's the basic core. But then he says, humility is to be aware of my personal strengths and say, thank you, God. You gifted me in this area. Humility is also to be aware of my personal weaknesses and say to God, God, I need your help in those areas. Now, the Bible is filled with the dangers of pride. Let me just read you two. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Now notice those words. When pride comes, disgrace comes. When pride comes, there's going to be a fall. How many can think of an instance when you were prideful, kind of out loud or it showed itself. And after you made that statement or did that, you felt like an idiot and you felt So disgraceful. You felt like, okay, I just fell right on my face, smack into the cement. How many can remember a time you did that? Exactly. The rest of you, just keep living. (laughs) I can remember a number of times. I did that in a public setting. Once, when somebody asked, how's the church doing when we were young? We are in a big big conference. How's the church doing? And they went and asked people. And I just stood up because they called me. And I said, we're doing great. We have 400 people. I went, you idiot. Because there's other guys there that were doing great with 100 people. And then there's other guys on the other side who were doing great with 1,000 people. What is wrong with me? I went, I can still remember that, and that was more than 25 years ago. How stupid we are. You see, there's going to be a problem. You're going to fall on your face, You're going to feel terrible. By the way, notice this verse again that you just saw here. It says basically one thing. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Thank you, Jesus. That's what you said too when you finished that crazy thing. Now, notice. I like the New Living Translation. Look what it says. God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Grace. And pride are opposites. Grace, God's empowering presence in our lives, enable us to do and to be what we were created to do and be. See, pride says this. I'm good enough on my own. I'm great enough on my own. And let me just say this with you, because there's certainly people that are not Christians yet, or maybe you were and you've walked away from God. The reason most people don't become a Christian is one reason pride. I'm great enough in myself. I'm a good person. I do good works. I come to church from time to time. Blessing. Good to have you here. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And the only reason we're ever forgiven is because of God's grace. So you have to understand, and that is what will keep you from going to heaven. One thing, you're my stinking pride. Because I will not admit that I need help. I'm not going to tell people I need help. I can do my own thing. And that's the reason you have to humble yourself and come to God. And we'll give you a chance to do that. By the way, every person that's going to heaven had to humble himself and go, God, I need you. And we ask forgiveness for our sin. So you're not like among, well, I'm the only one that would say this. No. Ever since we started this church, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ. But they came to Christ because they humbled themselves and admitted they need a Savior. Amen? That's the only way you'll get to heaven. Notice the choice that Peter gives us. Number one. Do you want God's favor and his grace? Or would you rather choose, number two, do you want God to oppose you? How many go for number one? Let me see here. How many go for number two? I'm waiting to use the word stupido. Okay, right there, stupido. Right there, gotcha. Thank you. It's times two even. Wow, terrific. Now, let me ask you a question. I not you turn your name and go like, that was a no-brainer. Go ahead, just turn your name and say, that was a, a no-brainer. Well, of course I want God's favor. Are you crazy, Pastor Mark? Well, exactly right. That's the choice. That's the choice that Peter gave us. Nobody here in their right minds wants to say, well, really, I'd like God just to oppose me. I don't think so. Never, never, never. Now, look at verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in, circle these two words, do time. This is where the rubber meets the road. God promises to always come through for us. Romans 8, 28, and 29. And God knows how to work out the messes in our life that very often aren't good, but he takes those things that aren't good and he makes them for our favor. He uses them, not just for us, but to expand the kingdom of God. So here's the next thing I want you to write. Being humble and submissive to God's plans. Always involves God's timing. You see, God's ways are not our ways. So when we're trying to figure something out, we need wisdom. We're trying to ask God for help. God's ways are different than ours. So he comes up with a plan that we like, is that going to work? Of course it is. And God's timing is different than our timing. Most of the time, we struggle with God's timing. But I can tell you from personal experience, here's what you want in your life. Here's what I want in my life. I want to be in the center of God's will. I don't want to be wavering on this side or that side. I want to be right smack dab where God wants me. And number two, I have to tell you this. God, his timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. Now, the problem with that is, I don't like that timing. And you don't know either. You know, and as we have all these new people coming, moving down, new companies, homes being built everywhere, the roads are like crazy, aren't they? It's just nuts. And, and we're always in a hurry. Can you tell? Wouldn't it be nice with all these additional people, all the roads just jammed? Everybody just drives just, just like this, man. It's just a pleasant thing to drive on our roads. It's, it's no big deal at all. But usually when you get in your car and you're going, it's a 25-mile-an-hour zone, and the lights on the guy behind you are blinking, and he's actually in your trunk. <laughs> well, where are you going to go on a one-lane road that's 25 miles an hour? Hello, get with it! Oh, know. I wouldn't say that. <clears throat> Bless the Lord. Yeah. Why do we do that? Because they're in a hurry. It's crazy. But sometimes I'm the guy behind. Could I hear? No, don't even say it. Don't look at me. Now, so what do I do with my cares and my worries? And things aren't, well, they're just not coming together in my timing. What do I do with them? Peter answers it. Look at verse 7. Cast, say the word with me, cast all, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Here's here's the definition of that word in the original language, cast, to place upon, to give to God. Now notice, cast all your anxiety on him. Give it to God. It's a decisive action. It's not, well, Pastor Mark, I'll think about that verse. No, 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 no. Cast it. Give it to God. Don't keep that anxiety. Give it to him. He knows how to work it out. It's not passive and notice. All. It's not partial. It's whatever is making us anxious. I'm giving it to God. Now, I'd like to say to you, all of us wish that when we transfer our worries and cares to God that I never pick them up again. But sometimes when I cast them to God, give them to God, it's like two days later, nothing's happened, and the boomerang comes right back. Boom! And I've got them again. Can anybody recognize that with me? I got them right back. Wait a minute, I gave these two days away to God. How did I get them back? Uh, I asked for them back in my mind. They came, the battle's in my mind. Okay, God, you promised I gave it to you. I know you're right. I don't like your timing. Let's see what happens. We're all there. We've all been there. That's why he says, one of the translations actually says this. Once and for all, give your cares and anxieties to God. I'm not quite there yet. Don't look at me like that. Because you aren't either. We seem to take them back. Now, how do I solve this verse? What do I do? Well, you know, with some of the stuff that happens in all of our lives, sicknesses, surgeries, all that crazy stuff, divorces, a million things. When I wake up in the morning, pretty much now, I walk early. I have a little something to eat, coffee, a little coffee, not a lot, just a little. And then I walk. And I walk early because I like to be up early. And I take a few moments as I'm walking and I'll look up to the clouds in the sky and I'm not talking about the clouds, but I'm actually thinking about God. And when the sun comes up, I go, wow, another day. His mercies are new. This is fantastic, God. And as I'm walking, I'll do this. And I'll begin to talk to God. And I'll do this. Watch me. I'll do this. I'm walking. I just do this. And I, and I talk to God. God, here's, here's my cares today. Here's my worries. Here's my anxiety. Here's things I, I don't know what to do. You know what to do. I just I just give them to you. I just... Give them to you. I just give them to you now. If I'm doing that, <clears throat> and neighbors are outside, there's two problems. One, and you know, someone come over. New exercise? You're practicing. Well, actually, yes. Or they'll come over and you're talking, but there's nobody out here. And that is, by the way, a great opportunity to hand him a Christmas invite. Come on now. Of course. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding about that, but I'm kidding. That gives me sometimes even an open door because people are like, he's either on drugs. That's a pastor, isn't he? He's on drugs. He's just talking to himself. No, I'm out there. Now, why do I do that? I do that almost every day. I'm not talking to the clouds. I'm talking to God. Very simple. And then I go on to other things as I'm finishing my walk. Because my walk is usually 30, 45 minutes. Now, when I'm done with that, why do, I, why do I do that? When I'm doing that, I'm reminding myself of two things. God cares about my cares. And number two, he's all-powerful. I can trust him with his sovereign will. He knows what's best for Me, The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, God cares for me. Come on. God cares for me. Those of you that like to be on Facebook and Twitter and all that, here's the hashtag I want for you. Hashtag God cares about my cares. I worked a long time to make that together. God cares about my cares. Amen? Amen. So just hashtag that. And maybe people will respond to you. Well, what do you really mean by that? Does God really care? As you go through this, you understand that. This truth, how do I know that God cares? Well, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all over the Bible. He cares for us. But I also know from personal experience. If you've been a Christian any time at all, when you journal in the morning. I use a computer app to journal, and when something really good has happened—God just got me out of a mess, or answered a prayer, or just helped me get through something—I'll start with the. In the first line or two, are always capitalized, automatic by this program, and I can go back three, four, five years since I've been using the computer one. Used to do it longhand. I can go back and look for those titles. God helped me with this. This was impossible, but God brought me through. What does that do to my faith when I look at that? Yes. In the new year, we're going to start a new series called Being Led by the Spirit leads to basically a lifestyle with no borders. Wherever the Spirit leads us, we're going to go. And it came off the song Oceans that you're very familiar with. And in that song Oceans, one of the things that hit me in the heart when you sing that song, it says this, God, you've never failed me before, and you're not going to fail me now. Amen. Amen. If you look at your history with God, If you're a Christian, he's never failed you. Now he's done things you didn't like, but that was your problem and my problem. And eventually it turned out for good. So here's what I want you to write. Look at what this statement says. Every Christ follower has history with God and knows that God cares for him. I don't have to even read the Bible. I know that he cares for me. In the Psalms, Some of you don't remember this, but Psalm 139. Let me read it to you very quickly. God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place in the womb, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of those days came to be. See, God cared for you and I when we were nothing more than a gleam in hubby and wife's eyes. It hadn't even happened yet, but he created you. Pastor Mark, all these seven or eight billion people, God cares for all of them? Yes, he does. And his ultimate care is for you to submit to him and spend heaven with him forever. That's his plan. And he knew you and he planned for you. Think about that. Before you were born, God planned the details of your life. Way before you were born. To do good works, to accomplish his plans and his purposes. You and I were created to be in a personal relationship with God. Now, Why would Peter write that, that God cares for you? Well, he walked with Jesus for three and a half years. What did he see when he walked with Jesus? Well, they came one day to a leper. What do you do with a leper in those days? Just gather him, hug him? No, you never touch him. Unclean, unclean, get away from me. Oh, Jesus goes right up, heals him. He cared. What about the woman? But basically unclothed in front of Jesus. Caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus do? Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. He cared. One day, as Jesus had to heal a man in the synagogue, and they were in Capernaum. And when you went across from that, we walk right where it is. Here's the synagogue. And you walk like right next door. Here's Peter's mother-in-law's house. And what did Jesus do on that day? He healed her. He healed her. So when you watch this, Jesus was basically always showing that he cared for people. Now, how about specifically for Peter? One day, Jesus got into Peter's boat. They'd been fishing all night, caught nothing. Jesus got into Peter's boat so he could speak to the crowd. The crowd was so big, he had to use the boat and back it up. Peter was fine with that. Then after the crowd was taken care of, Jesus taught them, he said to Peter, take the boat out deeper into the water. Now, we don't know exactly how Peter responded to this, but probably in his mind, he's saying this. I'm the fisherman you're the teacher. Why am I doing that? There was nothing there last night. But he took it out, and he Jesus said, put your nets on this side, and they had to get another boat to come and bring all the fish in. What does that show you? God cares for us. How about another time? Storm is going, disciples think they're gonna drown. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And what does he say to Peter? Peter, come out. Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. Until he goes, and Jesus let Peter drown. How do I know that isn't true? Because you couldn't have read his book. <laughs> of course he didn't let him drown. Now he challenged him. Do you remember? He said, oh, you of little faith, Peter. You did good, but little faith. But he saved him. Now don't laugh at Peter. Jesus didn't say it, but I think he's thinking about it. He's saying to the other 11 disciples, Peter has little faith. You have none faith. You never even got out of the boat. Aren't you glad for God's grace? He tried at least, and he knew that God cared for him. And the reason he's writing this book, because over those 30 years, he learned the importance of grace that we will never be totally right. We can't be prideful that way. Now, Some of you don't understand sheep and shepherds. You don't understand leadership in a church at all. You don't understand the role. But look at this picture. When you see the sheep, people are sheep. I'm a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. And I'm an under-shepherd under God. When you see these sheep, there's the three enemies. These three animals that just want to kill the sheep. I want you to think about those three animals as your worries and your cares and your anxieties. You see, when you look at that, there's still a shepherd in the picture. Someone has said, the next time you can't sleep, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd and commit your problems to him because he cares, say it with me, for you. He cares for you. Now, I want you to do something very different. I'm gonna give you less than a minute to do it. If you're not writing notes, I want you to just think about these two things. I want you to think of... Maximum two worries that you have on your list. Anxieties, people, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational. I want you to just, in your mind, if you're not writing notes, if you're not writing notes, I want you to think about those two things. Because at the end of the service, we're going to pray for those. If you have a notepad, write down. Nobody else is looking. This is for you.
0: Today, Pastor Mark read from the scriptures, giving examples of the dangers of pride. Surely, you can remember times when you thought you had it all together, only to be shown that the reality was quite the opposite. We learned that grace is the opposite of pride, and that God's always ready to lavish His grace on us, if only we will humble ourselves and ask Him for it. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living.
1: Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's
0: 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish the teaching, God cares about you, so humbly trust him with all cares. We will be taught the importance of understanding that we can't do anything on our own, and that reaching out to God is the only way we'll be able to do this life successfully. We'll learn more about what the Bible has to say about worry, anxiety, and fear. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team, your Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right.